Good morning, church. Well, last week, um, Steve spoke on peace, and um, that is a pretty big pie if you consider that topic. And so Steve took a slice of that pie, if you will, and today I'm going to take another slice of that pie, if you will, and there is still plenty of pie left. Peace is a big topic in the Bible. So I give you that pie this morning as food for thought. <laughs> so this morning, in talking about the peace of God, I entitled the message today, Oh, What Peace? And in talking about the peace, I thought maybe at the outset it would be good just to give you uh, a biblical definition of what that is. I debated about whether to use a, a video or to just take some quotes. The video runs about four minutes, and I thought that's, that's four minutes. But shalom in the Old Testament is a big word. It really is. It encompasses wholeness. Uh, so what I want to share with you, if you've got a computer, you can go on YouTube and look for the Bible Project and then type in the word peace after that. These guys, they rivaled Stephen in his message when he talked about the Holy Spirit and what they put in four minutes it would take to, to unpack that. So what I did this morning is I just took a couple quotes from them and I want to give them the credit. So peace is a very common word in English that means different things to different people. It's also, very, it's also a very important word in the Bible that refers not only to the absence of conflict but also to the presence of something else, something better. The core idea is that life is complex. How many of you can say amen to that? Amen. Oh my gosh. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts. I'm telling you, I'm just thinking about what these guys say. Full of moving parts and relationships and situations. That's a mouthful right there. And when any of these are out of alignment or missing, can you guess what happens? Your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So, peace takes a lot of work. I'm tired just reading this thing. <laughs> so peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, relationships, or in our world. So this morning, the slice of pie that I want to talk about is in our lives. Not negating, not ignoring the others. Those are relevant pieces as well. But today, I want to talk about it as it relates to our lives. And so in John chapter 14, our text is found in two places, John chapter 14, verse 27, and John 16, verse 33. So here we find these words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid and the second 
verse 33 of chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So, I want to, let's just take a word, a time, and let's just pray for a moment here. Father, I thank you for this message. It's all about you. You're the peace that guards our heart. You are our refuge. You are our strength. You're a very present help in trouble. Lord, these are your words, not mine. You reign. You rule. You watch over us. And this morning, I ask that you would take these words and that they will go forth and that they will prosper in the thing that you send them forth to do, to your glory, for our good. And Lord, I thank you that our way is not passed over by you. I pray, Holy Spirit, come now. You are most welcome, as Dan has prayed earlier. We welcome you. We set our hearts on you. We look to you. Because you are faithful, because you are true, and because you are our peace. In Jesus' name. So, when Jesus is about to go to the cross, in a few short hours, here at the forefront of his mind are his disciples. And in the words that I share today, I want you... I want you to hear the heart, his heart behind the words. So that when he says, let not your heart be troubled, the disciples could see. He could see that in them. He knew what they were thinking. And then he says, my peace I give to you. So I just want to share something that kind of sets apart his peace versus the peace the world gives. <clears throat> I put this later in the message, but I thought it's still apropos to bring it up to the forefront here. <clears throat> so the peace that the world gives, I would liken it unto a road trip that we recently had going out to Virginia. We took a 2017 Mazda 3 out there. We rented this car. And fairly early into the trip, the low tire light comes on. And I'm thinking to myself, what? This can't be. This is a 2017 car. I paid good money for this to rent this car to be able to take this trip. And what happens? The low tire light comes on. And my mind, my thoughts are quickly diverted to the low tire light. And am, is there a flat tire? Do I need to pull over? Is it a slow leak? What in the world is going on? My peace, if you will, at that moment <clears throat> was based on the 2017 Mazda that has a good track record in consumer reports that this car is dependable. <clears throat> but, so you can see that my peace went as far as when that tire light came on, so did my peace. It went bye-bye. That's not the peace that the Lord gives, that the Lord has, that he wants us to have. His peace is not circumstantial. His peace is not for a fleeting moment. His peace is not based on having locks on our doors, a 401k plan, medical insurance, or living in a, a good neighborhood. As a matter of fact, 
when we think about it, we can't, we can't make the peace that he offers. We can't grasp the peace that he offers in and of ourselves. We can't produce it. It's his. It's unrivaled. It doesn't make sense to us. So I thought that's, that's a good way to describe the peace that the world gives. Now, I don't want to knock the idea that, yes, we have police, yes, we have locks, and yes, we have neighborhoods. That's fine. But I'm talking about a bigger, long-lasting peace. Because think about it, if you will. The disciples on the day of the resurrection, where were they? They were locked up behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. So they had the locked doors. But who was really locked up? It was the disciples in their heart. The locks on the doors didn't give them the peace that the Lord wanted them to have. You could have one lock, three locks, a half a dozen locks, whatever. They were still prisoner. They were still held captive. They were still bound up. And so this morning, in your outline there, I have four takeaways pertaining to the peace of God. And I say takeaways because I believe that the Lord wants you long after this service is done, He wants you to be enjoying this piece of pie. Four takeaways. So, the first point is the importance of the peace of God. But I want to I say here that the first and second point here about the, uh, the power of the peace of God, these two go hand in hand. So when you see that list of verses there, it made me think of the worship song, Reckless Love, where in that song, we, we see that there's no mountain he won't climb up, there's no door he won't kick down, there's no place he won't light up, and he, there's, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Boom, 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 boom. That's powerful. Those are biblical, eternal truths that will transform, that will rewire your thinking, that will change your outlook and purpose. So in that same vein... The Lord gave me these verses, and that's just one of the things when you're a walk in concordance that the Lord does. He, he gives you these verses. He gave me these verses to give to you and to make these two points side by side. So in an essence, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone, not trying to be gross, but to kill two birds with one stone to see the importance of the peace of God, but also the power of the peace of God. And so, uh, the, the first one that I have there, it's, it should be Proverbs one thirty three. And what that says is that at the end, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease without dread of disaster. The King James Version says, but whoso hearkens unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. I like that. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, and verse 17 there. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. You will see as we go through these verses, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. In that preceding verse there where, where he says, my son, forget not my law for length of days and long life, he could have just said that and been, and been done. In all these verses, you are going to see that he calls out peace. He puts peace right there alongside of the others. He just doesn't kind of group it all together and not say it. He singles out peace. That's big. That's huge. 
He is making a point. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Think about that for a moment. Not a little peace, not fleeting peace, great peace. And I, th I believe that that's the only portion the Lord knows how to give, is great peace. He doesn't give just a little bitty. He gives great. That's who he is. He is unrivaled. There's no one like him. If he gives you peace, you're going to know you've got peace. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing. No, there's no asterisk by that. There's no loopholes. Nothing can make them stumble. That is a tremendous, that is an awesome promise. That is a truth for you and for me to grab a hold of, to tie it to ourselves, and to think about that, to dwell on that. Because a little later I'm going to talk about the enemy of our soul who loves nothing better than to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Who wants to see you captive. Who doesn't want you to enjoy the kingdom life that Jesus died for that he wants you to live in. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. You keep him, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Who does the keeping there? He does. Another tremendous promise. Isaiah 55, verse 12. You shall go out with joy and be what? With peace. Led forth in peace. Philippians 4. 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything but in prayer, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard means to set up sentinels, that means to put up spies at the gate. That means they're positioned there to where they are not going to let the enemy invade. That's what it means when it talks about guard. It's to prevent against invasion. I like that. I like that. Do you think the enemy comes to you and says, hey, excuse me, can I invade? Do you think he asks for permission? No. You know what he does? He just barges right in there, gets up in your face. Look, this is the way it is, bub. Whoa, okay, okay. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. God's peace has that stability, has that rock, has that firmness. And it's one of the reasons why I like that prayer in Psalm 61. The opening verses, hear my cry, O Lord, attend unto my prayer. From the depths of my heart, I cry out unto you. And when my heart is overwhelmed, what does he promise to do? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's the vantage point. That's the positional advantage. That's that's the winning square. That's where, that's where we hang out. That's where we abide. Romans 8, 6. 
to be, it says basically there, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, he could have said it's life. He says, and he could have ended it right there, but what does he say? To be spiritually minded is life, the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Romans 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Look at the three things that he circled out there. Now, you know, the last time I talked about joy. Now I'm talking about peace. That's a third of the kingdom there. That's to be the environment in which we live. I have been in hostile environments. They're not pretty. Everything is in chaos and turmoil. There is angst. There's stress. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy. He singles out peace again. And so, in, in all honesty, when I first dove into this, I shortchanged myself onto the scope of peace. That peace is to be a part of our everyday life. It's to be a part of our everyday living. It's to, it's to be how we conduct ourselves, how we, conduct, uh, how we carry out the responsibilities that are given to us. And it's not just for something that when we go through a crisis, but yes, they will come. It's for everything that we set our hand to do. Everything. I can get, thank you, Milt. I can give you stories at work where I get challenges and it says, no, I don't want to be a part of that. And guess what? I get volunteered. I wasn't looking for it. I get volunteered. So I get projects handed to me that haven't been done before. So when I quote, and you've heard me say this, commit your work unto the Lord, Proverbs 16, 3, and your thoughts will be established. Think about that in the context of peace. Your thoughts, my thoughts will be established. That means they won't buckle. They're not going to go be by the wayside. My, it's not going to be a disaster. I, I bank on that. I hang my head on that every time I go to work. And I am sure glad the promises of God do not wear out. Because that one is one that would be wore out. Colossians 3, 15. I like this verse. I like this verse a lot. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called and to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ umpire, umpire, umpire. I know there's Cardinal fans in this room. <laughs> umpire in your heart. What does the umpire do in a baseball game? He keeps order. Who has the final word in a baseball game if there's a controversial play? It's the umpire. What happens if you disagree with the umpire? You lose. You lose. Who has the final word? It's the umpire. So he, his peace, with a capital U, is the umpire of our hearts. No ands, no ifs, no buts. No Kansas City Royals versus Cardinal game at first, play, at first base. No, no controversy. His word is final. His peace is final. This word has been burning in me. I can't tell you how long. Like a fire in my bones. And he wants you. Let not your hearts be troubled. And that doesn't mean that everything has to be right. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But in the midst of that tribulation, you have peace. That peace which makes no sense, which you can't grasp, that you can't understand. And you know what? The enemy comes along and he tries to say, no, that's not normal. You're not supposed to feel that way. This is what you're supposed to experience. This is what you're supposed to have. You're supposed to be fearful. You're supposed to be uptight. You're supposed to be filled with angst. That's normal. No. 
That's where we were living until Christ came into our lives. Then he changed everything. James 3, 14 through 17. It talks about the wisdom of God. So here it talks about the wisdom that is earthly. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So again, peaceable is very much in the picture there. So, in John 10, verses 4 and 5, Jesus has something intriguing to say about the sheep. And I'm going to touch on this in just a little bit. In John chapter 10, he talks about the sheep hearing his voice. And he makes this, he makes this statement about going before them and leading them out. But this is what he says about the stranger. He says, when he has brought out his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The word voice there means phine. They know his sound. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. He has the final word. He prevails. His promises speak to the definition of peace in terms of wholeness, restoration in the midst of conflict. And as I was putting down these notes, there were two specific verses again that the Lord wanted me to highlight, to underscore and put before you. And that was Isaiah 26 3 through 4 in Colossians 3, verse 15. The one where he will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, and to let the peace of Christ rule, umpire in your heart. And so, it's not our emotions, it's not our flesh. It's not the enemy. It's not the circumstances that has the last word. In, uh, in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, there's a familiar set of verses there that says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor Prince of Peace, Almighty God. We're familiar with those names and we, we look at those names individually. But the thing that the Lord wanted me to tell you is that the Prince of Peace is also the wonderful counselor. So he has a thing or two to say about us and how to hold our peace. I like that. The Prince of Peace is also our wonderful counselor who counsels us how to walk in that peace, how to live in that peace, how to abide in that peace. And so, he, and so it is, I believe, by no accident that in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, you will see that it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I don't believe that it is by coincidence or by accident that he put, let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly 
in all wisdom, following on the heels of let the peace of Christ umpire in your heart. Because what he gives us in his word, what he gives us with his presence, he, what he gives us with his Holy Spirit, he gives us with his word an arsenal. You want to talk about weaponry that works. I think the Holy Spirit is quite adept at knowing what to do with the word and applying it and bringing it to our remembrance that we are able to hold our peace and live in his peace and grow in that peace. And even in the midst of conflict, I want to say that the fact that this, this peace is not just when things are going well. It's this peace that he wants us to have and walk in when everything around us is upside down and trying to dictate to us, you can't have this. You can't walk this way. You can't live this way. It's in the very midst of that, that no matter what comes your way, we will not be shaken. We will not be moved. So, the Lord gave me an illustration to make a point. So I want you, I've got a glass here filled with water, and I want that water to represent our hearts, our minds. And now, and I want to, uh, I'm going to put some dirt, if you will, into this water. And I want that dirt to be the tribulations, the things that divert your attention away from him. And so I'm going to And that you can see that it's clouding up. It's murky. And I want the water being our hearts and minds and uh, I won't do that over here, but I'll do it over here. That sometimes just like you know when I was talking about the car earlier, my my emotions, they slop out of the glass. I'm having a rough way to go. How does this play out? I can't see to the other side. What am I supposed to do? It hurts. Anybody here have a toothache? Anybody know that, 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 that toothache, I can at least say for myself, that can be, that's pain. That's the thing that, forgive me, Lord, it guides my heart. I can't think when I've got pain like that. I'm being honest with you guys. When we have, when we have that kind of turmoil, um, and so it's, it's cloudy. We can't see to the other side. What is it going to look like? And that's where the Lord gives us his promises and says, for example, I am with you. I have called you by name, Isaiah 43. I have called you by name. I am with you. When you go through the fire, when you go through the water, you will not be burned. It will not take you out. The water will not drown you and will not take you out. I am with you in it. And so, taking the promises, taking the fact that he will never leave you or forsake you. I want you to see, you can all see that the glass is cloudy. It's murky. It's muddy. It's ugly. So now, what does it look like? It's clear. Do you see that? I think that makes the point of his presence, of his power. It is clear. He is our sight. He is our vision. He says, I'm going to see you through this. When it doesn't make sense to us, when we can't see, we don't have to see. He sees. He's the one who sees around the corners. Nothing takes him by surprise.
So Psalm 119 says, verse 24 says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. I like that. They hang out with me. They guard me. They keep me from stumbling. They tell me which way to go in terms of what to do on any given day in my situations, in my relationships, in the circumstances. And I've already alluded to this about what doth hinder. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. And so, not to be redundant, but I want to make this point. Sometimes there is the initial dealing with it, dealing with the enemy, dealing with the thoughts he tries to sucker us into listening to. And um, it reminds me of a basketball. I know we have a basketball player, a couple of them in this room. But what happens if you throw a basketball down. It's going to bounce. And the enemy doesn't go away quietly. He doesn't go away without a fight. He tries to sucker us into bringing the thought back. Just take one little look at that thought. Just, just for a moment. It won't hurt anything. But what we have to do is that when, when we make the decision and we put that basketball down, we're not gonna, we have to make the choice not to pick the basketball up again. And so in Philippians 4, I referenced it earlier about the peace of God which passes all understanding. The verses right after that talk about our thoughts and said whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, pure and of good report, think on these things. And if I'm really honest, there are times when I'm re I wrestle with situations, relationships, you fill in the blank. I'll come into church on Sunday morning. I'll bring the baggage. I'll leave it in the foyer. And I'll come in here. But when church is done, I go out the door, I pick up my baggage, and I go back. I am telling you this morning, if you've got baggage, if there is a situation that you are facing, if there is a relationship you are facing, if there is a hardship you are facing, if there is a circumstance and you feel like you're in that glass and it's sloshing over, I am going to invite you in just a minute to come forward and I want to pray with you. And the Lord gave me a word for you and that's in a in Isaiah 54, verses 10 through 15. And the, word, the words in there, it talks about, oh, thou, oh you who are storm-tossed and afflicted. So in a minute, I will give that invitation. But there's one last point that I want to bring out here. And that is, the price of peace. We can't talk about the peace of God without having the peace of, without having peace with God. And so in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, we find these words. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. 
And then in verse 10, a little later on in that chapter, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. That should have been us. I wince when I read those words, stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. Let alone be forsaken. Those, those words terrify me. But that's what he took for us. So when he was with his disciples, they, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they had a plan. And he, his plan was, I'm going to purchase for you forgiveness. I'm going to satisfy the Father's wrath for your unrighteousness. I'm going to provide and clothe you with robes of righteousness. I am going to pay the price in full that you can come into, that you can come with me and enter into the peace that I have had and have now for all eternity. The gospel and the cross are central for us to have the peace of God. And when he did that, he made the statement that I have peace and I want peace and I want to be reconciled with you. If you have an enemy and you're not reconciled, you're going to have a hard time trusting that person. We were his enemies. And so to eradicate, to do away with that altogether, he had this plan of salvation where Jesus Christ took all of our sins that we committed, we would ever commit, paid the price in full, satisfied the wrath of God, took the judgment of God upon himself that nobody, nothing could ever take. And he did it and said, I have made a way where there was no way. Now, come with me and let's enter in to this abiding, everlasting peace together forever. Amen. So if you, right now, if you have, you feel like there's a situation and your glass is murky and muddy and sloshing over and you want prayer, I'm asking you to make a statement and stand and come forward and I will pray with you. And if not, that's fine. I'm fine with that. And so is God. I'll just, that's fine. I'll come right here. Father, we just come to you. purchased, that you have redeemed, that you have made your very own. You are the one who turns our chaos back into order. You're the one who makes the orphan a son and daughter. You watch over Judy's going in and going out and everything in between. And Lord, I just pray right now your shalom, your perfect peace to come upon her that she will not be storm-tossed, that she will not be afflicted, that you would set in order her stones, Lord, that you will uphold her. I speak your shalom over her right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak peace to this storm in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak these words over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you 
and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up, and he has, and he does, and he will, lift up his countenance upon you and give you his abiding, eternal, everlasting, unrivaled peace. What the enemy has meant for evil, God, you are the one who takes it and works it for our good. So we speak restoration and wholeness over Judy and into Judy's life. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just ask right now that you would hide Dan under the shadow of your wing. Lift him high as on wings of an eagle. He is seated in the heavenlies with you, Lord. Because of who you are, he is more than a conqueror. And I just speak peace and clarity of mind and heart I pray that even now Lord as a touch point you come alongside Dan you're his anchor you uphold him he will not fall he will not stumble in the midst of this place you're his rock then you there is everlasting strength I speak shalom healing restoration wholeness into Dan's life, into the situations that he places before you. You've got this, God. I cast these cares. I take them off of Dan right now. I take them off of Dan and I put them on your almighty shoulders. In the name of Jesus, I take these things, every last one of them, off of Dan and I place them on your shoulders and in exchange, I speak peace refreshing confidence hope in the name of Jesus the assurance of heart that only you can give that you have this and that you will take care of this I speak shalom over you Dan shalom 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 Jesus name Lord I thank you for this blessing for this precious saint Lord I thank you that your peace is superlative that your peace is the final word that her peace is found in you that her peace is found in the promises which you give. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, I speak to the murkiness, the things that are sloshing around, and in the name of Jesus Christ, who took the pain, who took the suffering, who took the anguish, And I speak peace into her heart and to her mind. I speak to the word of God to encompass her heart and mind on every side, to guard and to keep her, that she will not be anxious, that she will not be taken captive. You, O oh Lord, are the final word. You, O oh Lord, are the last word. You, O oh Lord, are the everlasting word. And so I speak peace, peace to her heart, peace to these situations. I lift these things off of her and I speak order. I pray for her stones to be set in order, that you order her steps, 
I speak shalom over her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet and every place in which her foot treads and everything that she sets her hand to do. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's a powerful thing there. I will tell you, as you were praying for them, Daryl, Lord, you know, every time you laid your hands on one person, the Lord poured something down. And it was a large amount. I mean, it was spilling over onto me, but I I didn't ask for prayer. (laughs) Anyway, the thing is, is uh, I just prayed to the Spirit. As I was praying to the Spirit, He said, I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind has stayed upon me. And I think that their mind's in that direction, so. (laughs) So one last thing that I want to say to you, to you all, to us, as a body, we have been through a lot together. And as a body, we are committed to one another. And what I say to you, the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon each one of us, each one of you in your seat, and give you peace. Peace, unrivaled, superlative, everlasting, abiding, abundant, rock-solid peace.